0: The scripture this morning is 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4. If you could please stand for the reading of God's Word. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say, what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. Well, uh, the lie I want to speak to today is maybe one that may be more prevalent in the church than in the secular realm. But it really applies to this passage of Scripture that Dean read today. Um, I think we live in a time where this, what the Scripture describes here is exactly what's happening. There are preachers out there that tell people what their itching ears want to hear. In other words, tell us what makes us feel good. Tell us what we want to hear. And the, the lie that we're going to be dealing with today is one of those things that some preachers tell people. And we we do hear this preached from TV pulpits. We hear it written about in books talked about by church goers who may advocate this view. It sits sits right alongside the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel because, after all, those things, health, wealth, and prosperity, are necessary if we're going to be happy. Amen? And it sounds something like this. God has good things in store for you. God wants you to enjoy your life. God wants you to prosper in every single way. Now, I'm not saying that God might not desire some of those things for you, but we know from life experience that that isn't always true, don't we? That, it, that it's not always good things. It's not, life isn't always enjoyable. And that we don't prosper, necessarily prosper in every single way. The bottom line to this message is this. God wants you to be happy. Let's be honest. That has a nice ring to it. It's like those fairy tales we read in which, you know, they lived happily ever after. Except in the Christian realm it sounds like this. They came to Jesus and lived happily ever after. You know, I I guess if you want to attract a following, then God wants you happy is an appealing message. After all, it feels good and it sounds right and it makes life pretty easy. It would be nice to be able to tell you that With God in your life, there will be no bumps in the road. It's nothing but good times ahead. After all, God wants you to be happy. And the idea that God wants us happy elevates us to the place where God is here to serve us, rather than the truth that we are here to serve God. See, we've gotten things turned around. In Ephesians 5.10, Paul writes... We are to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. But the idea that God wants me happy says that God should carefully determine what pleases me. I don't know how many of you are star trek fans when that was a regular series on tv and i'm thinking well i guess it's gone on for a number of years there have been new iterations of that as time has gone by but um remember on the starship enterprise there were food replicators and that would serve you anything you wanted so all you had to do was speak your order into it and you know By, like, miraculously, whatever you wanted would appear um, in that machine. So when we believe that God wants us to be happy, we turn Him into a cosmic food replicator. We just place our order, say a little prayer, telling God what we want, and we expect Him to deliver. The problem with that is when God doesn't come through for us, we we blame God because if I'm not happy, it's obviously His fault. That then is the problem with this subtle and seductive lie. If God wants me happy and I'm not, then God has failed. God didn't do what He needed to do to make me happy. And is it possibly that we have unintentionally encouraged this God-wants-me-happy thinking with this? And I'm going to get in trouble with some of you right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to share the words from a song, one that may be precious to our hearts. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy. All the day. true confessions time. I don't know about you, but there are days when I'm not happy all the day. Now, I think probably the, the issue there is the use of terms. And we'll talk about that a little more as we move on. So, does this mean, what I've said so far, does this mean that God wants me unhappy? No, not at all. The Scripture tells us this, God is good. Matthew seven eleven tells you, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God is good? Yes, it's absolutely true. And I think God delights in the happiness of His children just as we who are parents delight in the happiness of our children. But there are limits to what we will do or allow in order for our children to be happy, right? Like play in the street. Oh, but mom, that makes me happy. So, As popular as it may to believe God wants me happy, and as often as you will hear God wants you happy, God wants you prosperous, I'm going to share with you three points we need to consider when encountered with the God wants me happy message. First of all, God doesn't want me happy if it causes me to sin. If I have to sin to be happy, God doesn't want me happy. The scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 says this, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Now it would be nice if it said, But just as he who called you to be happy, so be happy in all you do. But it doesn't say that. It says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So there's no room for sin in that. And in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it reads like this. What shall we say then? That's Paul's writing here. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So, in verse 1, Paul is making a very powerful argument, and he asks this question, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he asked that question in response to this kind of thinking. You know, if God's going to forgive me anyway, and I'm having fun, and this makes me happy, why should I stop? God's going to forgive me anyway. And he says, shall we continue to sin that grace may increase? And then he says, by no means, under no circumstances, do we continue sinning so God can forgive us because... After all, I like what I'm doing. It's making me happy. He said, you've already died to that. How can you live in it any longer? As much as we want to believe it's all about happiness, it is not. Our happiness is never the bottom line in God's spiritual economy. So let me give you some examples of, um, you know, well... I can do this because I want to be happy. Let's talk about finances. And I don't, bother, I don't bother you a lot with a discussion about stewardship and finances because, well, just let me say this. I was at a pastor's meeting this week, and there was a pastor there who was said, pray for us, we're struggling financially. We're going to have to cut some things from the budget. You know, during the whole thing of COVID, we never had that concern. So thank you for continuing to give. Um, I tell people there's, uh, well, we all understand our demographic. We're on the kind of older end of the scale. We all understand that. But I said there's two great things about pastoring a church that's older. Number one, when you go to potlucks, you have a bunch of really experienced cooks. It's always great. The other thing is, this generation has the concept of tithing at heart. So, whether we were gathering in this place or not, people continue to give. We haven't had concerns financially. Praise God for that. That made me happy. (laughs) But but Scripture teaches us that we return the tithe to God. Ten percent of what God trusts us with belongs to Him.
1: We give it to Him.
0: But what do people say? Well, I'm not going to give that much money. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. It's my money. I worked hard for that. I'm not giving that much money to God. I'm going to do something with it myself because I want to be happy to tell you a little story um, when we lived in eastern Oregon uh, my next door neighbor asked me to come over one day because he was doing some remodeling in his kitchen he had this cabinet he needed to move into the house and so they could set it in place and he'd, he'd invited two or three other of his friends so we could all get on this thing and heft it into his house and, and I came over from next door and when I walked in they were discussing tithing I think they were all um, Catholics and one of them was waxing eloquent on his view. Ten percent, are you crazy? Three or four, that's a matter. And my friend, my next-door neighbor, knew I was a pastor, and he's kind of going. <laughs> but that, uh, that was the attitude, you know. Eh, God doesn't need that much. I, I'm going to keep more for myself. Um, marriage they're not making me happy so I'm going to quit the marriage maybe you've heard or been part of a conversation that went something like this hey how's it going well much better now well what do you mean well do you remember my wife um, so and so whatever her name was we split up you're not married anymore what happened well we just weren't happy so we got divorced Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So you're happy now? Well, yes, I am. I'm happy now. Oh, that's good because that's all that matters. But it's never been all that matters. There are more important things in life, in God's eyes, than being happy. God doesn't want us to be happy at the expense of someone else. So when we do things that hurt or discourage or put down others, that goes totally against Jesus' command to love one another, and that, my friends, is sin. Something I've observed in my years of ministry is parents excusing sin in the lives of their children because practicing a sin or sins is what makes them happy. And I just want my children to be happy. And it seems to me that those parents are putting their children's happiness over their eternal destiny. God does not want you happy if you have to sin in an order to be happy. Um, the second one, and I'm wondering about the way I, I stated this, but... It's on your outline, so we're running with it. God doesn't want me happy if it's driven by circumstances. And really, this is more a matter, I think, of terminology. But in, in Ecclesiastes, it says this when times are good, be happy. Now, I can't disagree with that. But when times are bad, consider God has made one as well as the other. Um, I remember um, something that Rick Warren said one time. He said, life is like a set of railroad tracks. Because we talk about seasons of blessing and, and seasons when life is hard. But he said, it's like a set of railroad tracks. And one of those tracks is blessing and one of those tracks is difficult times. And there's u- usually some of each in our lives at any point. But Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, when times are good, Enjoy. Soak it in. Embrace it. Live it for everything it's worth. But when times are bad, consider God has made one as well as the other. Happiness comes and goes, happiness is circumstance oriented. You see, there's something deeper, and it's richer. And it's what the Scripture calls joy. And joy is something that's not based on what is going on around you, but it's based on what's inside. Remember that line from the hymn that I read to you a little earlier, and now I am happy all the day. Well, here are a few lines from a hymn that more accurately tells what we should be experiencing with Jesus in our lives. Are you ready for this one? If you want joy... Real joy, wonderful joy. Let Jesus come into your heart. There you go. That's what God wants in our lives. God doesn't want you happy when it's based on the up and down of life. Or He doesn't want your joy lost. Actually, that's what this is about. We're going to be happy at times. We're going to be sad at times. We know that. He doesn't want you to lose your joy in the circumstances of life. That's the deeper gift that God has for us. The gift of joy. The gift of contentment that we see in the life of Paul. If you look at Philippians chapter 4, four verses 12 and 13, you'll see that there. You'll see what Paul said. But before before we look at that, Passage, I want you to remember the context in which it was written. The Apostle Paul was writing from within prison. He's chained to a Roman soldier. And on top of that, he was waiting for a decision that would determine if he lived or died. He, might have, he didn't know if he was going to be executed or not. So in other words, life wasn't great for him at that point in time. Here's what he wrote: I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, I've seen both sides of it. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we whether we are well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. He said, "I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength." By the way. Paul uses, in the book of Philippians, uh, the word rejoice a number of times. And remember, he's writing this from prison, chained to a soldier, waiting to know if an execution date had been set for him. So God doesn't want you happy or joyful depending on your circumstances. He wants you joyful and content in all circumstances easily done huh god uh, number 3 god doesn't want me happy as much as god wants me blessed jesus said in john chapter 10 verse 10 i have come that they may have life and have it to the full so the question is what is the full life that christ wants us to have if not being happy well, I would argue that the full life is a blessed life. And how is a blessed life different from a happy life? Well, let me let me tell you what the word blessed is. In Greek, it's makarios. It means supremely blessed. It means fortunate. It means well off. Makarios differs, differs from happy because happy is dependent on favorable circumstances. To be makarios, blessed, is equivalent to having, And this is straight from those who know such things, from the Greek Hebrew study Bible, to be makarios, blessed, is equivalent to having God's kingdom within your heart. So to be blessed is to be more than happy. Ever thought about it that way? Someone said this, if you pursue happiness, you will miss God. If you pursue God, you will find blessings. A blessed life is dependent on relationship. Relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. That's Psalms 34, eight. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in, refuge in Him in God. Psalm 84.12 Blessed is the man who trusts in you, the Lord Almighty. Psalm 112, verse 1. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Romans four, verse eight Blessed is the man whose sin, the Lord will never count against him. That's only because of Jesus, folks. Now, now generally when we talk about blessing, I know not always. I think maybe in the hopefully in the church we got it figured out maybe a little deeper than this. But oftentimes when you hear someone talk about blessings, this is what you hear. Oh, God bless me with a brand new car. We are so blessed. We got this house that was has twice the floor space of our old one. Praise God. Oh, I am so blessed. I got this great right raise. Uh, now I have more to spend on me. And they usually don't say that. Now, I'm not saying that these things are not blessings. But who does the Bible say is blessed? Who is more than happy? Well, look at Matthew chapter 5. God seems to have, Jesus is speaking here, He seems to have a different idea of what it means to be blessed. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. And let me just insert this really quickly, because some of you today are hurting your mourning. And let let me remind you that God says you will be blessed. Why? Because He says you will be comforted you will know a side of God that many don't know who haven't been through what you're dealing with. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And notice that it doesn't say, Blessed are those who pursue material things, the material things of this world that do not last. But, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled, it says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called the sons of God. And then... Matthew chapter 5 verse 11 Jesus had to go and throw this in Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me He could have left that out Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you So bad news is God doesn't want you happy all the time Good news is He wants you more than happy He wants you blessed. So as much as it would be nice to be able to tell you, come to God and you'll always be happy, if I did that, I'd be lying to you. Because it's just not true. But I will tell you this. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart, Now, the Hebrew word for delight is the word A-N-A-G, anag. And it means to delight or enjoy. Here's what we do not do. We do not go to God for Him to serve our desires and make us happy. We go to Him as His servant to worship Him in spirit and in truth And as we enjoy Him, as we delight in Him, what He does is, He gives us His desires. And they are no longer our desires. His desires become our desires, but they are His that He plants in us. And as His desires become our desires, then He loves to give us and fulfill the desires of our hearts. How do we get there? Well, Matthew 6.33 tells us how. Jesus said it this way. But seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek happiness. Not seek the things that we want. But seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things, He says, will be added unto you. So, I've got good news for you. The good news is, God doesn't always want you happy. You're saying, that's good news. (laughs) Well, here's the good part. He's always got something much, much better for you than that. I've told you what it is already, haven't I? The good news is, God doesn't always want you happy. He's always got something much, much better for you than that. And all the people said, Amen. Good to hear. Father, we're so grateful for the good things you have for us. Way better than anything this world can offer, or the message that God wants us happy all the time. Thank you, Lord God, that you want us joyful. You want us content. You want us blessed. (laughs) Oh, and thank you that we are blessed. And for the many ways you bless us. And some of the things that we find ourselves happy about are a result of the blessings that we have in our lives. Because, Lord God, you are good to us all the time. So I pray, Father, today that we won't ever fall into this trap or believe this lie that you want us happy all the time. You know, I, I, I just think about the, the people we read about in the Scriptures. People who are very blessed, but there were situations in their lives that they weren't happy about, and yet, deep in their hearts, like Paul, in prison, chained to a guard, waiting to hear if the sense would be off with your head. And yet... He was joyful, and he experienced contentment. Oh, because that's so much better than just being happy all the time. So thank you, Father, that that's your desire for us again, because you are good to us. And we praise you and give you thanks for that. And again, we pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.